So in 2008, when the financial crisis that was driven by mortgage-backed securities started, we were actually in an insanely great position to reap the rewards of the recession. As so many lending institutions were getting out of business, we were cranking out insane volume and were growing by the month. My partner loved the business and I hated it by that time because the stress level was insane. And everybody has a different level of risk tolerance, which my partner, his risk tolerance was through the roof and mine was, I'm going to have a heart attack and die. So in 2009, our business was cranking out more than $10 million in gross revenue. It was profitable and I was just like, I want to sell me 50%. So my very first brick and mortar business, I sold for really well for seven figures and I walked away from it very happy. What I didn't know at the time, and by the way, my decision would not have changed. But what I didn't know at the time was that in four years, that slightly over $10 million business would be doing quite a bit over, and I cannot disclose the exact number, but over half a billion dollars in revenue ah. in four years. My <laughs> former business partner, who's still a good friend, is an insanely rich guy. When I say insanely rich guy, one of the richest people I've met. And I co-authored the book with Steve Forbes. My former business partner is wealthier than Steve Forbes. Sole owner of a, over half a billion dollar in revenue service business. Mm. So, by the way, my dad died of a heart attack. I do not regret and never regretted the decision to sell that business because I was well on the path of getting my heart attack. Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Mastered podcast. We're your hosts. I'm MPS. And I'm Richard James. And MPS, I'm excited today because we're going to get to talk to somebody that's got real like boots on the ground, ground floor experience, working kneecap to kneecap with attorneys every single day to better their law firms. And so why don't you introduce our next guest for us? Yeah, today we've got the pleasure and honor to speak with Sasha Beerson, a real marketing brain here to speak to some law firms today. Sasha, welcome on. Thanks, gentlemen. Good to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to be on. And if you've watched any of the show before, we, we like to just break the ice a little bit, you know, get, get, the, get the law firm owners listening an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you. So tell us, what is something that maybe not everybody knows about you? I'm an entrepreneur through and through. I started making money when I was 13. Never asked my parents for allowance. I'm 45 now, never stopped for the last 32 years, was always self-sufficient, told my parents that I'm going to leave them as soon as possible when I was four years old. <laughs> my mom, who is now almost 80, reminds me of that from time to time. So small business is what I leave and breathe every single day for the last 32 years. Do you remember what your first 13-year-old business was back then? Yes, but if I tell you, it's going to shock you. So I was born and raised in Soviet Union. Okay. I'm in my mid-40s now. Yeah. So as a young teenager in Soviet Union, that's fallen apart now. The, the year is 1991. Right. Soviet Union turns into Wild West. Mm -hmm. And when economies break down, there are a lot of opportunities. And some of those opportunities may appear to be absolutely goofy to you. But the arbitrage play, meaning you can buy something on one end of town and sell that exact item on the other end of town at a profit, was very common. So first, I got myself, now remember, I'm 13. I got myself into wholesale cigarette distribution. Okay. Okay. That was very profitable. But by the time I was 14, I realized that wholesale liquor distribution would be more profitable. <laughs> 
So I run trucks full of booze <laughs> at 14 from out of town, from major warehouses to retail locations. And my margin was narrow enough where those retail locations were happy to buy from us. Uh, I was my partner and I were both 14. We knew each other from the time we were one years old and we still talk from time to time, although we haven't seen each other in 30 years because I came to America 30 years ago. Huh. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So you were the modern day Dukes of Hazard or the 90, 90s day version of Dukes of Hazard. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, do you remember yours? Yeah. Uh, well, I had a few. Um, I, I did the, uh, the the Nike Elite socks, right? So where, where I would take Nike Elite socks and people wanted custom colors. So my friend and I, we would, we would go buy the socks and then we'd get the dyeing kit. We'd dye it and then we'd flip the socks on eBay for about 30% margin, which was great. And then I built a, a landscaping business local in the neighborhood. And so went door to door, which was awesome, and continued to get clients for the landscaping and would have my buddy and I go cut the lawn. And at one point, got to the point where I got to go on vacation and he and a friend would cut the lawn. So I started to learn leverage really early on. <laughs> yeah, go, going to door to door is some of the best sales training out there. It is. It is. It's a great way to, 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 to learn and to grind out and understand the importance and the value of rejection and learn the importance of winning when you do win. So I, I think it's a, it's a very valuable skill. So Sasha, t tell us a, a little bit that, I mean, that's pretty cool. That's a fascinating story. And then you, you moved over to the U.S. So why don't you tell us a, you know, a, a little bit more about your story as an entrepreneur to where you are now? So my first couple of years in the U.S. were devastating to me as an entrepreneur because I come to the land of opportunity and there is no opportunity. Now, we're talking about 1993, 94, 95. Internet is not even in its infancy when we came here. So at that age, at that time, I found that there were no opportunities for me to make money, which was absolutely devastating because I came to be self-reliant over the years. By the age I was 15, and here I am like, I can't earn anything. So I'm living off of my savings, money with that, with that, that I made back in Russia. And it took me nearly seven, yeah, just about seven years before I started my first brick and mortar business here. And that was a mortgage company. I worked for a mortgage company for two and a half years before I was like, I can do this on my own. So my partner and I, my good friend and I, we started this mortgage company. It's just the two of us. It was very challenging at first. And the challenge really came from inability to generate leads. Mm -hmm. So right there and then I learned because you can't go knocking on doors the way that I did business back in Soviet Union and Russia, you can't go knocking on doors offering mortgages. So I was like, huh, marketing is a thing and marketing is hard and we would hire different marketing companies and they would all take our money, but ultimately fail. Mm -hmm. None of them mm -hmm. consistently delivered decent, not great, but just decent quality leads. So that was a hard lesson to learn. So right there and then, this is over 20 years ago, year 2000, I learned that you need to have great marketing in order to grow your business. Hard lesson. Okay. So I made a mental note to myself that one day I'm going to get into the marketing business. So again, 2000, 2001, 2002, fast forward a little to 2006, we branched off part of our retail operation and created a wholesale operation, which was my partner, brilliant guy, was in charge of. And that division started growing like gangbusters. So in 2008, when the financial crisis that was driven by mortgage-backed securities started, we were actually in an insanely great position 
to reap the rewards of the recession. As so many lending institutions were getting out of business, we were cranking out insane volume and were growing by the month. My partner loved the business and I hated it by that time because the stress level was insane. And everybody has a different level of risk tolerance, which my partner, his risk tolerance was through the roof and mine was, I'm going to have a heart attack and die. <laughs> so in 2009, our business was cranking out more than $10 million in gross revenue. and was profitable and I was just like, I want to sell me 50%. Mm. So my very first brick and mortar business, I sold for really well for seven figures and I walked away from it very happy. What I didn't know at the time, and by the way, my decision would not have changed. But what I didn't know at the time was that in four years, that slightly over $10 million business would be doing quite a bit over, and I cannot disclose the exact number, but over half a billion dollars in revenue ah. in four years. <laughs> my former business partner, who's still a good friend, is an insanely rich guy. When I say insanely rich guy, one of the richest people I've met. And I co-authored the book with Steve Forbes. My former business partner is wealthier than... Steve Forbes. Wow. Sole owner of a, over half a billion dollar in revenue service business. Mm. So, by the way, my dad died of a heart attack. I do not regret and never regretted the decision to sell that business because I was well on the path of getting my heart. Yeah, you know, I, I'll, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think we have a lot of, as you're an entrepreneur, you have your, you have your times when you exit maybe early or maybe you hang on too long. I mean, there, you know, what, what's the right timing? I think if you have a, a, you know, the Simon Sinek's definition of the finite game, which means you, you think that it's a competition and exiting means you win or achieving a certain amount of wealth means you win, then I suppose that you could regret or lament some decisions that you make. But if you have an infinite mindset that, look, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm not going to sell my companies and then put fill in the blank, $5 million to $105 million in the bank. It doesn't matter what the number is. And then I'm going to do nothing. I, what I want, and most, I think, entrepreneurs that I know want, some, some want more and more money, and, and they do because it's a measurement of it. But what I want is I'm, I'm in a relentless pursuit of independence, and so what I want is I want to be independent to be able to make the decisions I want to make at the moment that I want to make them. Now, I also need to be structured to be able to do that. But if I want to take a vacation, I want to be able to take a vacation without anybody telling me I can't do it. If I want to be able to play golf on a day, I want to be able to play golf on a day without anybody telling me I can't do it. I also want to know that financially we're secure and that, God forbid, one business would go under. The savings is there for us to be able to live and support while we get something else started. But I'm not thinking about I no longer I, I did at one point think about, oh, I want to you know, have X number of dollars in the bank. And after I achieved that goal and then lost it all <laughs> and then had to build it all back up again, I can tell you that I no longer have that perspective. I'm much more about, okay, how do I just enjoy the day every day? It's not easy every day. But how do I enjoy the day every day? And how do we just get a little bit better today than we were yesterday? And can we build compounding wealth for us, for the community, for the, the, the world that God's created? And so, I, I, I don't know, I've just changed my perspective on this. And so I appreciate you sharing that fact that you feel like, you know, you exited and you didn't have any regrets because, you, you know, you didn't want to die of a heart attack. And I think you're spot on. I, I think you made the right decision. Thus, though you may not have as much money in the bank as you would have if you stuck around, you're here on this earth, you're happy and you're still- I could have also been dead. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I just the other day I was reading a, a thread on Twitter, um, and I, I think it's Ben Johnson. Uh, he was on the My First Million podcast as well. But anyway, um, he had gone through this process where he built his first company. It was actually Venmo. Uh, that that's what he built. Hmm. And uh, at the end of it, he exited. I think it was an eight hundred million dollar exit. But he was divorced. He was fat. He was not happy and his life was falling apart in front of his eyes. Now he's on this endless pursuit to, to reverse his biological age. And he actually has, I think he's a 43 year old that turned his biological age into 18 right now. His, his routine is absolutely absurd. But I tell you that because I agree with you. There are sacrifices that have to happen and you really got to make a conscious decision on whether or not you're willing to make some of those sacrifices and for at some point, for what reason, right? Because the, the extra dollars maybe make a difference, but at some point you, you get to a point where I feel like it doesn't make all that much of a difference for the sacrifice you have to make. So I, I think that's a very good story that you illustrated there. And I think it's great that you live without regret because I think ultimately it led you to where you're at now. So speaking of where, where you're at now, tell us what, what for you along the journey, what was kind of that breakthrough moment for you? When did things just click? I think they continue to click mm. and every year is different. Mm. I don't feel like I am successful. I have close to 60 employees now and by a long shot, do I not feel like I'm successful? I think that that dissatisfaction with the current status, I don't call it status quo because the current status that's always changing. I think it's a very healthy character trait for ambitious people. I didn't develop it. I was kind of born that way. Mm. When I sold that first business, honestly, all I did was I bought myself a used jet ski for like 3,500 bucks and took my wife out to eat dinner. Mm. That was the celebration. And after that, I was like, what's next? Mm. Like I couldn't, I couldn't think that, Hey, I'm going to take a couple of years off. It was just like, what's next? By the way, it took me a few months to figure out what's next, but in a few months I was back to building another business. So in the current business, and my current business is a search marketing company and we work with law firm owners and law firm owners only here at Grow Law Firm. I think the point where the last time that it really clicked was when I completely removed myself from sales. Hmm. It was a goal that was in the making for a few years. Hmm. We had to get a lot of things right for me to completely get out of sales. And it was very recently, so we're recording this middle of January, 2024, approximately seven, eight weeks ago mm. when I had the last sales conversation. Congratulations. And today, nice. thank you. And today I'm, I am no longer in sales department and my sales department that I'm leading is doing better without me yeah. doing the selling yeah. than it was doing with me doing selling part-time because as any other business owner can attest, you wear numerous hats. Mm. And because you wear numerous hats, you really cannot be good at everything. So you become like very mediocre at everything that you do. So that was the last major click that I had. And then the next one is going to be where our lead volume is going to put us on path to doing $10 million in revenue. Nice. We're not there yet, yeah. but my assumption is that in the next, and th this is something that I really want law firm owners, just business owners to understand, like these things take time. Mm. My projection is that it's going to take us 
six quarters from this point. Mm -hmm. So another year and a half mm -hmm. before we get there. We're at about 5 million now, 5.3, 5.4, but it's going to take us yet another year and a half to get to 10 million. And I'm okay with it. Like patience is a big thing. Yeah. I mean, Michael and I, so Michael just, we're in January. So Michael just, you know, he wired the money over. He's officially the owner, half 49% owner of your practice mastered. We too, the only thing we did to celebrate is we went down and played Arnold Palmer's course down in Florida, played Bay Hill, took a lesson with a golf pro down there. And that was a great weekend. And now we're back at it. Was it was a heck of a celebration. Yeah, yeah, it was I like great. it, but we are right back at great it. Great <laughs> celebration. We ate great food. I, I thought I was starting on the path to losing the Christmas 10. And it felt like they went right back on after that weekend because we ate a lot of great food and drank great wine and played great golf. But, but now we're back at it, right? And so the, it's interesting what you say. So this point I want to draw for that law firm owner that's listening, I think there's two very important points. The first one is we started talking about, you know, what was it like, you know, selling the company, making an exit, making a certain amount of money, how we're doing it for the infinite game. But I want to recognize that there very well may be a, a law firm owner out there that's listening to this right now that's struggling, that they're in the middle of chaos, they, they actually can't figure out how to be profitable. I talked to a law firm owner the other day who was doing $140,000 a month in gross sales and was keeping $5,000 for themselves, right? So, so three, roughly 3.3% profitability in their firm, total owner's benefit. It, it just broke my heart. And I, I knew why it was that way and they didn't. And you know, getting them to where they are, to where they need to be is gonna be a journey. It's gonna take time. So I know that there are some law firm owners that are really in the middle of chaos. They're working 70, 80 hour weeks. They can barely keep their head above water. And there are reasons why, and they need to do some things fundamentally to get their firm fixed. And so let's, I want to acknowledge that that's a reality. You have to do the basic fundamental business things to get your firm fixed. And secondarily, once you get those fundamental things fixed and you build those systems or frameworks that can start to operate the business at a very high profitable level, now we can start to generate plans where we can remove the owner from certain dynamic roles like sales because it's the most demanding it's the most it requires the most erratic behavior time frames based on follow-ups and 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 how you're going to run your sales team and the, the client's needs and desires plus it's just as you said, their attention is fractional because of all the other things that they're doing. And so they're not doing as good enough job at it as they possibly could be if somebody else were doing it. But in the beginning, they can't afford to hire that salesperson or attorney salesperson, whether it's attorney or non-attorney, that's going to replace them oftentimes because they're struggling with chaos and profitability. And so you, you nailed the, the, you hit the, the head on the, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Sasha, when you said, this is going to take time. And Michael and I, we haven't set really aggressive goals. I mean, Michael, I sat down with Michael on this trip and I said, okay, what's, you know, you're young, you just got married, you're 25 years old. When you guys starting to have kids, what are you planning? You know, God willing and everything works on place. And so he started telling me out his goals and I'm like, all right. So we started making like a 10 year plan and we built out the 10 year plan based on where he wants to be financially, where I want to be financially and what we want the business to look like. We set really, really conservative goals. 15% growth every year, year over year, not massive growth. Could we grow faster? Sure. But then it might feel like we're pushing the big rock up the hill. And so we're like, look, we don't have to, 15% is pretty darn good. We do 15% every year from now to 10 years from now, we are going to hit every financial goal we have, and we're going to help as many people as we want to help. 
And so I, I think that's, a, you know, one of the things you, we need to do, which what you did, Tasha, is you backed into it. I want to do $10 million in revenue. Okay, by when? And then how do I go about getting there? And then build a time frame for it. So congratulations on what you've accomplished and for getting yourself out of sales, because that is a, that, that's a, that, that's a tough thing to do it, it, for lots and lots of reasons. And once you do it, as long as you utilize that time to start focusing on growing the firm, the sky's the limit for you. Yeah, thank you. And I also want to add that it took me close to six years to get out of sales. But while I was in sales, the company stagnated in growth in three years prior to me joining. Mm. Since I joined, it more than almost four and a half times increased in size mm -hmm. in those six years. So I couldn't get myself out of sales for that long. Not because I wasn't trying. I was hiring and firing sales reps because they weren't very good. Yeah. So I, I was stuck in that role. So patience. Like it may feel like, like life is really sucking right now, but stick to it, keep persevering and you're going to get there. And I want to acknowledge something else, something that caught my attention. So for those viewers or listeners who do not know, Michael is Richard's son. And what is really remarkable, something that you mentioned is that you had him buy into the business. Of course. It wasn't given to him. No. I think that's a really, really important point. We are living in a time when kids expect to be given things. And I'm a firm believer. You're 18. You're good to go. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Only go yeah. to college. Amazing. Here's how much it's going to cost you after four years in payments based on the current interest rates. <laughs> Just yep. be mindful. So my oldest 16-year-old, he is like, I'm going into Air Force after college and Air Force is going to pay for it. I'm like, stick to the plan or... You will be leaving school with the two hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, you gotta pay for those things once you're a kid. So, so congrats on on setting it up right. Well, I'm sure, I, I'm confident we screwed it up somehow, Sasha. But yeah, but but yeah, we got we got two good boys and proud of both of them equally. They're different in their in their pursuits, but Michael's pursuit has always been small business, and and he's already been. You know, when when I tell people is is Michael didn't come to me as a this was a favor. I very much recruited him. And so this wasn't me doing something, even selling the business to my son because he's my son. That that wouldn't happen. I, I did this because one, he had the wherewithal financially and experience wise to, to, to fill the, the goals that we needed in this company. And two, he's going to make us better. Um, we're going to be a bigger, stronger company because of him. Because without him, I probably would have played golf three or four days a week and just let the company be small. To be honest, right? I just, that's kind of what life was going to look like. And so now we're on a growth path and I got more things that I have to get done in a week than I can possibly get done. And I, I think I chose well because he's, he's nailing it. Just yesterday, he, he went hundred percent on an event and that's a, that's tough to do. And so um, anyway, we're, we're proud. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of what he's accomplished. Thank you for acknowledging that. Michael, I Thank know you. we've taken this completely off track for you. So where do you want no, to go? No, but this here? is good conversation. This is this is good conversation. And a good conversation makes for good listening. So with that said, I very much appreciate your words, Pops. And then Sasha, thank you for acknowledging that. So tell us for, for you on on a daily basis, what, what are some of the, the success habits? What, what do you do on, on a daily that helps you continue to grow? That's an incredibly important question because I think a lot of people just go with the flow and 
I learned this a long time ago from one of my mentors. He says, you have to create bookends, bookends to your day. So you have to control how your day starts and how your day ends. So for me, the first win of the day is I wake up and I make my bed and then I go work out. Mm-hmm. Before I go work out, I get my two boys up and they go work out with me, 16-year-old and 13-year-old. Nice. That's really important in this family. Like, we do not skip workouts when we're on vacations. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care how late you went to bed. All right, we're on vacation. We don't have to get up at 6. But surely, by 8, that workout is going to happen. That's just having like that structure in place that almost ensures that everything else will be at least somewhat structured. Mm -hmm. As far as business goes, my calendar is usually mapped out one week in advance to about 70%. About 30% is still left open, but most of it is mapped out. And there are a lot of recurring meetings that happen on the calendar. I find it that I talk to when I talk to law firm owners. Many of them are always stuck in this doer mode where they do what they have to do when they have to do it without putting very much thought into it. So it's a very, very reactive mode of operations, which if you're not consciously working on things that will grow your business, it's not going to grow. And that's the reason why I believe the last pre-pandemic or pre-inflation year that the data came out for Professional service businesses like law firms on average grew at 4.3% per year, which when you think about a typical year, when inflation is two and a half, three percent and your business grows 4.3%, you barely you're grow. standing still. Yeah. Like that one and a half percent ain't nothing. That's yeah. not really growth. So I always, always look at my calendar, even when I was responsible for sales. And when I was responsible for sales, that took more than half of my calendar. I still ensured that at least 25% of my time was focused on business growth activities. That's my success structure. And also, and this is something that's, that was really difficult for me to overcome. And I don't think I've ever completely got rid of that, but I come from a set of wonderful parents who are really warriors with an O. These two could worry like nobody else in this world. And it was passed down to me. So one of the things, one of the items in my success structure is to always keep on reframing my mind to not worry about things. Number one, you're a man of faith. I am a man of faith. God is in control. So whatever is going to happen, I'm going to do my part. God is going to do his part. And things somehow will work out the way that they're supposed to work out. Right. That's hard to remember when your revenue is declining. Or for me, it was not so much about declining revenue as like never growing fast enough because I'm never satisfied with what we have today, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of like consciously have to practice that. And I think that for vast majority of clients who come to us, most of them are growth-minded people. The 10% of law firm owners who really care about growth, mm-hmm. not worrying is really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever we have those frank conversations, I, I talk to them, well, how do you structure your calendar? Like, what are your recurring tasks? What are your recurring activities? And also, how much time do you spend worrying? Like, before the camera went live, we talked about, like, who is a typical listener to this podcast? It's somebody who may be awake at night, worrying about their law firm, worrying about how they're going to make things happen by next payroll or next month or next quarter or next year. I'm like, 
do what you have to do. Let things take their natural course. And this is something I had to remind myself so incredibly often. By the way, how do you, you said you have a bookend. How do you end every day? I look at my calendar for the following day to make sure that I know exactly what's coming my way. And there are some, some meetings that, for example, we're recording this on Thursday. Every Thursday, 8 a.m., I have a meeting with my project manager and members of my marketing team, production team, mm-hmm. and we talk about KPIs. Mm. So every, every Thursday, and the reason why we do not do this monthly but weekly is because as a marketing team, we know which levers we need to pull on every single day to drive us toward that next big objective, as I mentioned, in about 18 months, we need to be at $10 million in, in lead flow. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for us to have those uh, meetings weekly. By the way, our production team meets and talks about every client account and progress made every single week as well. They do not meet with client every single week, but they meet internally and review every account that we have, every client who we serve every single week, because doing it once a month is a sure recipe for failure. Yeah, no, it's You great. have to do this way more often. I've just yeah. finished. So at the end of the day, sorry, at the end of the day, I look at the calendar. I make sure that I'm prepared for those tasks, activities, and meetings that are not regularly on my calendar. And then I spend some time with my family to make sure that I wind down the day and Mm -hmm. spend it with the people who are truly, 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 truly important. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, you talk, we work with law firm owners all the time. And and sometimes I, I, I talk, after I talk to them, I think, sometimes I say it out loud. Sometimes I think it in my head, are you a lawyer or are you a fireman? Because you, all you seem to do is go put out fires all day long. And, what, and, and they tell me what, all the reasons why it's not possible based on their practice area, based on the, you know, the, the type of cases they have and, and whether they have opposing counsel or they have the court systems that based on their client type. They've all got their reasons. Um, but a good a mentor of mine told me a long time ago, you can have reasons or you can have results, but you can't have both. And so you, you really need to, I, in my opinion, feel you really need to have a really good grasp on your schedule. And, and we, we run our world the exact same way that you do, Sasha. So I can see why you're successful. I say success leaves clues. It, it, it does. And if you go find a successful person, you'll find that they have almost, almost always, not always, but almost always, they have a very structured schedule that they follow and they review that schedule and they are disciplined to stick to that schedule most of the time. Not, not, not I say there are exceptions. I've, I've met and I've listened to people who claim to live a very carefree, come what is may kind of life. And they say they claim they're successful. I haven't actually seen the physical evidence of this and I've not actually seen it in operation. I think I'd go out of my mind if I lived that way. So I'm kind of wired this way, but I, I do find the reason that is, is, and by the way, I wasn't always this way. I discovered that not taking a break from working out on vacation is actually definition of success. Because if you, if you still, if you don't work out while you're on vacation, when you get back from vacation, you've broken the habit. It's harder to get back started. Everything broke down. You don't feel as good. Vacation was like wasted, right? If you work out while you're on vacation, you get all the benefits of vacation and you maintain your disciplines. And so maintaining disciplines is a very, very high, for me, 
success threshold to or help the threshold for us to achieve success on a regular basis. Michael, you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Just having discipline. Just I, I think if you boil it down, it's it's discipline. And, and Sasha, I, I loved kind of the framework you just provided for your bookends, right? How you start each morning, how you finish each day. I think that's great advice and making sure we're purposeful about our calendar and the management of our calendar. I think if a law firm owner just heard that one thing today, it could be helpful for them. So let me ask you, what, what's got you fired up and excited today? It could be business, could be personal. What's got you excited? I am in general very excited about life and every single day. And one of the reasons for that is that I am disciplined and I have goals. A great NFL coach, Lou Holtz, said this decades ago. If you wake up uninspired, you simply don't have enough goals. Well put. If you don't have enough goals, then you're just floating down the river, wherever the current takes you. It's really hard to be excited about that. Mm. Right? If every day looks about the same and you're floating somewhere without any purpose... My, my other success habit is that every morning when I wake up, I thank God for that day. There's a very specific prayer that I recite. It takes 30 seconds, gets me aligned. Mm -hmm. Like I do that before I get out of bed. If I forget, I do it as soon as I remember, but I don't forget most of the mornings. Super important to me. And another quote that came to mind as you were talking about discipline. And, and you, Michael, you said that if you took away like one thing from this, from this podcast, I want you to really drill this down in your head and just remember that discipline equals freedom. According to Jaco podcast, I'm not going to spend much time talking about, or I'm not going to spend any time talking about who this guy is, but believe me, he is worth following. Mm. Yes, he is. Discipline equals freedom. Most people, when they think about discipline, they think about like it's labor, it's constraints, it's, it sucks. But the reality is the exact opposite of that. Discipline equals financial freedom. Discipline equals physical, like your health freedom. Discipline equals all of the freedoms that you want to have in life. As long as you live in a free society and the government does not control you, like, like, like freedom in Russia, what it is today and what it has been for so long, and freedom in the U.S. are two very different freedoms. But if you live in the U.S., and chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this, you live in the U.S., like you have a lot of freedoms. Now, what do you do with those freedoms? You can create a lot more freedom for yourself by making sure that your discipline equals your freedom. I have, as I mentioned, 16-year-old and 13-year-old. Boy, do they know that concept. And if you're a parent of younger children, even if they're not younger, Jocko Willink published a number of books on discipline. There are five books that were written for kids. Those are the favorite books for my kids. They read them more than once. Mm -hmm. I, as a parent, read them. And geez, I wish that Jocko would have written them when I first became a parent. Actually, when I was a teenager. Because mm -hmm. my life as a teenager would be easier if I understood only, if only I understood the things that he shared in those books. Mm -hmm. So highly recommend him to follow him and also check out his books. Like if you're struggling with discipline, if you're having a hard time getting out, getting out of bed in the morning, Listen to his stuff, man. It will get you fired up. I will. I agree. I think discipline is doing what needs to be done, even when you don't want to do it. And I, and I'm going to speak to the people that 
maybe wake up in the morning. I'm not a wake up in the morning, never have been, wake up in the morning and throw the curtains open and say, good morning world, I'm here. I grudgingly get out of bed. I have to, and, and I have to crawl to my cup of coffee. And, and what gets me through is the discipline to a structure, even when I don't want to do it. I did not want to run today. I didn't. I, just, I did not want to run today, but I did it anyway. And, and there are days when I wake up, when I want to crawl in the corner and suck my thumb. And I don't know if I was born that way. I don't know if I've got a chemical deficiency. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I've been, I'm 53 years old. I've been trying to figure it out my whole life. And there are just going to be those days for some people. And, and I am one of those people that have that t- day every now and then. But the, you got to figure out what works for you, and then you got to go do it anyway. And that, for me, has been my biggest, not struggle, but my reality check is there's going to be a lot of days I don't want to do it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still excited about life. I'm still excited about my goals. But I don't know. I just wake up with some reason, and I feel miserable today. And so the way I get through it is I just go do it. And amazingly, I feel better, right? Yep. So that's yeah. the key. Here, here's my admission. I am chronically sleep deficient. Doesn't matter how much I sleep. Mm. I do not get enough rest. Mm. So for me, getting out of bed is not like, ha <laughs> It's more like, a, say my prayer. Right. I'm on it. I'm getting after it. Yeah. Right. It doesn't, doesn't matter how I feel because guess what? I feel the same way seven days a week. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> just my discipline. Yeah. My discipline and my goals, they just get me going, get me fired up. Say the prayer, feel good. Whenever I finish saying the prayer or when I say the prayer, I smile a little. You know, when you smile, you can't feel shitty about life. Yeah, it's yeah. Tough. you're right. True. So say the prayer <laughs> while you're smiling. You're good to go. Yeah. Whether you want to or not, you're good to go. That's yeah. Good, right? Yeah. I, I those dumbbells, those dumbbells, they ain't going to lift themselves. No, no, True. No. They're waiting for me downstairs. <laughs> waiting. Yeah. Get collecting dust. Every, every 24 hours, I dust them off a little bit. <laughs> I, I think that's great this discipline pushes you through and it's uh, such an important attribute sasha where can people learn a little bit more about you and and how can they connect with you if they'd like to no i appreciate that question but let me add one more thing about discipline i think this one yeah. is really important maybe it will really drive the point across i'm happy to share that my wife and i are expecting a child mm. Congrats. My very good friend, my former business partner, when I told him about that, he's like, oh, man, he has four kids. This is our third. He was like, man, this is going to be difficult. You're 45, your wife is 40, you guys. And I'm like, <laughs> and here's why. When I had my first, when I was 28, I smoke, I drink, yeah. I barely got any sleep. I was always super caffeinated. And I did not train at all. At 45, I have a boatload more energy. Mm. A boatload more energy. Mm. I haven't had a cigarette in over a decade. Mm. I very rarely get a drink. Very rarely. I can run like I couldn't when I was 28. I can lift like I couldn't when I was 28. Mm. I can run on fewer hours of sleep like I couldn't at 28. Mm. All of those things, like that discipline equals freedom, I'm a good example of that. So if you're thinking like, eh, you know, it's hard. No, it will get harder. 
unless you get after it. Right. I love it. So congratulations. Where are people? By the way. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you so much. Su yeah. su super excited. Super excited. When, when yeah. is the baby due? Middle of June. Yeah, so nice. we're about four, four months in, four months in, you know, and it's a blessing. So we're, every day we're like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Where people can connect with, with our brand, it's growlawfirm.com. And I don't want people going there, well, actually, if they, if they want to talk to one of our growth experts, please be my guest. But, but there is a free, very, very simple offer that we have on the website. And that is, if you go to compare.growlawfirm.com, you can get an instant marketing assessment that's absolutely free. It will tell you how your website performs, not from technical standpoint, but from business generating, attracting new business standpoint. Not only will it tell you how your website performs, it also will compare it to how your direct competitors perform, how their websites perform. And it will tell you how you can improve, how you can get more business through your website. Not only that, it will show you just how much search volume there is in your geographical market for your specific main practice area. So whether you do PI or criminal defense or estate planning, you select that main practice area and it will tell you how many searches there are in your geographical market. So you understand how much demand there is. It will show you how much of that demand comes to your website, how your website performs overall and in comparison to your direct competitors. And it will give you usually quite a few ideas how to improve on that performance. You don't have to go to us to help you with those improvements. You can take the report and go like bash your current marketing vendor and say like, look at all the shit that you missed. <laughs> it's a really, really powerful tool. And that report, you don't need to talk to anyone. It took us close to two years to build it. It's fully automated and it takes less than, less than a minute and a half to run. That's wow. great. That's a great tool. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. offer. That's Everyone listening. Right there. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what we call an irresistible offer right there. Irresistible yeah. right there. It is. Nice Compare.growlawfirm.com. Go check it out. Nice. And we'll throw it in the description as well. But Sasha, thank you for taking the time to be on today. And to, to the law firm owners listening to this, thank you. Thank you for investing some time. And we've got the uh, gentleman's agreement around here. So if this isn't your first time listening or watching and you got some value today, drop a like. Show some love for Sasha in the comments and make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button depending on where you're listening or watching. We appreciate you investing some time. We enjoy investing our time and that's your way of giving back and showing love for us, giving our time, money and resources to this. But Sasha, thank you. We, we appreciate it and truly a great conversation today. Yeah, thanks Sasha. Thank this this was spot on, man. Yeah. All right, that's the pod.